0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. We are so delighted to bring you a special bonus edition here on Mother's Day with Candace Jones Fraser. Uh, she likes to be called Candy, is what I understand. That's right. And she is the mother of Jesse and five time CrossFit Games champion Matt yes. Fraser. Um, if you don't know, Matt is a five time champion. Um, Never heard and of him. <laughs> <laughs> And so our connection is we're a CrossFit podcast. Uh, So Matt is one of the people that we talk about all the time. And so I wanted to have Candy on to honor his mother and to talk a little bit about where Matt came from um, Mm -hmm. and all of that. And Matt talks about you so much in his book. That's so sweet. (laughs) I I had to have you on. Thank you very
1: much. I really appreciate it. Um, Like I I said, this is uh, pretty new to me, so um, I could you know, I felt like, Oh, I'm like anxious. That's crazy.
0: (laughs) Well, it's, it's hard for me to believe you're anxious because your, your history is a pro athlete. Yeah. And Matt talks about it all the time that you and his dad were figure skaters. Yes. So I want to dive into that a little bit. So people have a good background because I don't think Matt gets into the detail that I discovered when I was researching you. And that is, so you started out as a single skater.
1: Yes. Yes. And I, I don't know. I always felt like I would love to be a pair skater, Um, but you know, the ratio of uh, female figure skaters to male partner, you know, figure skaters um, was certainly uh, a little lopsided. And uh, I met Don actually when we were about 18. Um, He had already achieved being junior Canadian pair champion. Um, but around that time, he and his partner, um, had stopped, uh, training together. And, uh, so, um, he was trying out with, um, other partners or other, uh, females at the rink to see, um, who would be a good fit. Um, and we really hit it off and, um, I, I. I absolutely loved those years of skating. I mean, just loved skating, so it was it was wonderful. So we did the amateur circuit, we went to the 76 Olympics. we were on the Canadian 75 and 76 world team. Um, and then we turned pro. We went with a small ice show for a while. It was called Toller Cranston's Ice Show. He was the men's uh, figure skating champion of Canada, and he changed men's figure skating. And uh, we had one summer on Broadway in uh, New York City uh, doing the ice show. And um, and so we toured for a little while, um, but it really came to a point uh, one time that the show had closed down and I'd always felt that my real long-term goal had been to be a family physician. So Donnie and I talked about it and I said, I think it's, it's time for me to go back to school. You know, if I, if I don't go soon, <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure they're not gonna accept me. So, so that was my, our next transition. So Don went on to coaching and training camps uh, for figure skaters and running a figure skating boutique uh, you know, selling skates and blades and clothes and, and coaching. And, and I went to school.
0: So you glossed over a few things. <laughs> you were the 1975 and 76 Canadian national champions. Yes. Yes. You went to the 76 Olympics. You did mention that. Yes. You were four times, well, I think three times world champion in the professional division. Yes. One time international champion.
1: Well, there was a a series of events called pro skate uh which toured so it was a small number of professional athletes touring so it was um you know presented as a a show or a, you know um you know an, an event like that that people would buy tickets to go to um I think we actually won uh that about fourteen times so it was. I,
2: I know growing up, I know, I know when I growing up watching the Olympics and, and figure skating in particular, you noticed that um a lot of the skaters did much better during exhibitions, or once they turned pro, you know, they started hitting different skills and things like that. Is that just because mm-hmm. of the, the pressures off at that point in time and you're not sort of competing and, and getting jitters as much?
1: I think there's two two things there. Um One, uh, doing shows was actually very advantageous for skaters and would have helped us a lot if we'd actually done more of that when we were amateur, so that you do learn just to perform and Um, to perform with the audience. And um, rather than it being like, um, sorry, my That's okay. Responding to a text on my phone, rather than it being a once a year performance in front of judges and now you're panic-stricken. You know, but, anyways, I think why Don and I did uh, so well professionally was that um, the rules were quite different. You had a ton of more freedom. If you wanted me to be upside down in a handstand in the air, that was not illegal as a professional athlete. So, we could do all sorts of creative lifts um, that weren't actually allowed in amateur skating. So, and Don was uh, not only incredibly strong for his size, but he was very creative. Um, So we had some lifts that nobody had ever done before. Uh, We had a death spiral that nobody did before and has never done since. Um, And that allowed us to get the audience on their feet. So If you can perform in a competition, the audience gives you a standing ovation. It's like, okay, we got it. You know.
0: So I am so glad you brought up the death spiral.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) So I read it and I didn't it didn't comprehend what that was. And I actually found an old video on YouTube of it. On YouTube, right.
1: Yeah. We don't know. I we have no idea who posted. I think there's two YouTube videos of us. And I, I always say to people, oh, yeah, if you're gonna watch the film, just remember it's vintage skating. Okay. Like <laughs> right. And um uh, but anyways, there are those two films. Yeah. So you're wondering about the no hold death spiral. Yes. yes. So
0: for people who don't know what that means. If you've ever watched figure skating, when the man kind of stops and pivots Mm -hmm. and holds the woman by one hand and they spin while the woman is laid back in an arch on one skate. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. Right. So you have one blade on the ice sort of creating a circle around the man and your head is arched back so that maybe the top of your hair is just sort of dusting the ice. And the force is... Uh, between the man and the woman's one hand hold. Well, Don had asked me to help another pair skater, one of the young men, um, try to get his pivot and the tension right, the pull between him and his partner. And uh, so I was practicing with him and I thought this is the oddest thing, but he's not pulling me at, like he's not really holding me at all once I'm down there. And I thought, huh. Well, it kind of means I'm doing it by myself, right? So I went back to Dawn after, and I said, you know, I have this funny feeling that if you would just help me to get down there, I'd just hold that by myself. So he thought that was a pretty cool idea. So we practiced it. That became the no-hold death spiral. And then, you know, just being the creative guy he is, he thought, oh, I think I'll jump over you while you're down there. <laughs> well, that sounds cool. <laughs> so that's, how, that's what we did.
0: Yeah. So what blew me away is you're in a position where you're like your core has to be phenomenal to hold with no support and the balance that it takes to stay in that position with no support.
1: I don't know. Um, well, I guess so. But I think <laughs> because you have some momentum behind you, um, the the getting back up, you know, was sort of the somewhat trickier part i mean you had to get yourself back up before you lost too much speed or or it wasn't going to happen um but uh yeah i don't know it worked
0: (laughs) yeah it it i actually was watching it with my mom this morning and the air was sucked out of the room when it happened (laughs) that's how like crazy it is
1: well it was really fun i you know, a lot of people will look at certain moves in figure skating. For example, the one that comes after that is called a one leg swing around. And, um, you know, you're being swung through the air and Donnie's holding on to my ankle. Um, and people are always thinking, oh, she's gonna hit her head like that's so dangerous. And you never would, you would always maybe tap the outside of your shoulder. Um, but it's interesting, that move is not dangerous. Being in the air over somebody's head with your hands locked in their hands, or in any other position over their head, is incredibly dangerous. And you know, the men are rotating on little blades with toe picks. <laughs> and you know, you hit one of those toe picks, and you're up in the air. You know, with your hands tied up. I mean, you know, it's it's pretty dangerous. Um, our very first competition together, we were warming up for the competition and we were in exactly that position. Unfortunately, Donny, you know, hit a bit of a rut in the ice, his toe pick hit. I flew through the air, fractured my pelvis. And that was like, well, welcome to pairs competition. So that was wow. our first competition together. Yeah, wasn't the, it the, the, wasn't the start we expected. <laughs> yeah. So-
0: so I want to come back to that in a second, but yeah. you were also the first Paris couple to do a one-handed press.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, I always love that because everybody would go, you know, and Donnie is strong. So don't get me wrong. Um, but he would all, you know, people go, Oh my gosh, he must be so strong. And I'm like, you know, there is time in there. I did try to You're doing some work time and I actually didn't weigh a whole lot at that time <laughs> but um, yeah people would normally put a lift up in the air using two hands from both of you and then uh, and then switch over to a one hand hold um, but again Don thought hey just put both your you know little hands in mine I'm just going to pop you right up there so um, if the timing hit It worked. If you missed the timing, it it was pretty tricky then to just press that up, you know? So it was a timing thing.
0: So I want to jump way into the future. Um, In Matt's book, he talks about times when he would get hurt and that he didn't want to focus on the injury. And Mm -hmm. you being a doctor, he would consult you at times and that you would actually lie to him. (laughs)
1: I have to re- read uh, those parts of the book again. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I, lie might be a strong word.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: You, you'd um, say,
2: you're fine. You're good. It's o- it's okay. You know, you didn't tear anything. It's just a strain. You'll be fine. And then well, afterwards, maybe. you know, you say, actually, you tore that. Let's go get an MRI.
1: <laughs> well, that, yeah, that was probably, uh, he's probably referring to um, a knee injury. Um, yep. And yeah, part of that was you know, knowing probably what he had done, but also um, how close he was to an event. And the fact that uh, we weren't gonna handle the injury any differently anyways, but the psychological worry um, that it might give him if he thought that he had really done something that wouldn't allow him to compete. So I think he was talking about his lateral ligament um, partial tear. And uh, yeah, so that was more of a uh, conscious decision to handle it safely enough, but not uh, put him in a mentally bad place. Other times I would say um, as a child, um, I mean, oh, Matthew was incredibly active. I mean, good Lord, you know, jumping off stuff and somersaulting off stuff and diving off of stuff and double flipping on his skis and all sorts of things. Um, But there were times too, you know, he was at a friend's house, um, fell off a trampoline. Unfortunately there was something beside the trampoline that was pretty hard that, you know, wasn't maybe the safest place to have it. And he um, fractured a rib in his back um, and those hurt. I mean, I, I had a fractured rib skating too. And I was like, man, you can hardly breathe. Um, but you know, you don't do anything with them. It's not like you can put a cast on it. You don't wrap people anymore to stabilize them because then they get pneumonia. So, um, and he was, you know, a youngster. So I knew he would probably cracked it. Um, but tough little character. I, I, he was up water skiing a couple days later. I was like, wow, that was my rib. I wouldn't have been, but you know, yeah.
0: So he, he talks about those injuries you had in figure skating, Mm -hmm. you know, the broken pelvis and, and other times where you had to like compete injured, uh, just Mm -hmm. to keep going. Mm -hmm. Moms know their kids Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and
0: athletes know athletes Mm
3: -hmm.
0: when Matt's competing, what role takes over or is it a combination of both?
1: Uh, when Matt's competing, um, you mean, what role do am yeah. I in? Or?
0: Is it like an athlete looking at another athlete or is it a mom looking at her son?
1: Oh, I was a nervous wreck mother watching her son. And then I understood the fact that my mom really could not watch us compete live. And, and I didn't really understand that at the time. Um, and I tried hard to to learn to relax at the games and try to really enjoy the moment and the incredible athlete that he is that I was so proudly watching. But I was also incredibly, incredibly nervous for him. Um, unless it was late on Sunday afternoon and he finally built up a good enough lead that I could go, oh, phew, I'll just watch this one. I'm good. <laughs> He's got it.
2: But but those nerves, it sounds like those nerves are more about him doing well and performing his best and not him getting hurt. Right?
1: No, I didn't, I didn't worry so much about, about him getting hurt. I mean, I realize there's so much variety in CrossFit but I think the athletes know their bodies so well. They, they, they have such a, a kinetic understanding. They, you know, that um, I think it's pretty impressive, truly how few injuries there are in CrossFit. Mm-hmm. I tell you one of the times when I was most worried was his first ever CrossFit games. And, you know, we were all pretty new um, at this. And so he was ocean swimming and he wasn't yet a good uh, ocean swimmer. And we were, the athletes all had different color bathing caps on. I think there were like three different colors. So he had a red cap on. So Donnie and I are up on the pier looking in the ocean, you know, and he dives in and I think I'm following the right red bathing cap. And um, so I'm like, oh my gosh, like he's doing okay. You know, he comes out of the water and and I'm like, oh, well that's not Matthew, Okay." okay. And I'm looking for, you know, some other red baiting cap and, you know, and finally another red one comes out like, Oh, maybe that's not, no, that's not that And then I'm like, Oh my gosh, like he's probably drowned out there. <laughs> find Another red baiting cap out there. And uh, yeah. So I think he came out 27th out of the first round of the swim. And I'm like, okay, okay. Didn't drown. And then they had to do it three times, I think, because, every time he actually sort of gained ground, but yeah, I was, I was like really worried on that swim. So definitely a mother watching their kid.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, so Amy, our other co-host, Amy, just joined us and she's got kids that are athletes also. And (laughs) my, my biggest fear was always my daughter did all-star cheer and she was a flyer. And so you know, as much as I wanted them to hit their stunts and everything, my biggest fear was please don't drop my daughter. <laughs>
1: right. You know, because
2: those are some serious injuries. It's just like well, you said when with ice right. skating. You know,
1: that's just like yeah, pair skating. I mean, you get tossed, you're thrown, and um, unless you land properly, the landing's hard. Yeah, right, Amy. What about yeah. yeah?
2: What about you, Amy? Yeah. You watch- See, I have
3: such a hard time watching my kids do sports as even being an athlete like I get the nerves of, of an athlete, but it's the mom nerves of like, I. it doesn't matter what the outcome is, right? My opinion of my kids aren't going to change, but it's just right. more the like, I want that for them. And so I'm like, I, I can't watch the finals, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. But yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, no, I think and it doesn't really matter the age, you know, it's you're, you're always their mom, you right. know, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I realized know. yesterday, sorry, you yeah. know, being a mom So yesterday and I was heading out and uh, Matt was coaching and uh, Donnie and I just sort of stuck our heads in the gym and, you know, said, oh bye." we're just pulling out of here for a minute. And, you know, and I just automatically walked over and gave him a big kiss and a hug mm-hmm. and I thought, and then I went, oh, well, <laughs> Maybe that was embarrassing for you in front of all of your athletes here, but so so I did it again. (laughs) Good
2: Good for you. That's awesome. I know, I know, Candy, when I was a kid and people asked what you wanted to be when you grow up and, and I was a pretty smart kid and everyone expected me to say, you know, oh, I want to be president or I want to be this or that. And I always said, I just want to be a mom. And that was kind of always a thing. Did you, did you always know? you know, that you wanted to have a family. When did that first come about for you?
1: I don't, uh, I don't remember it as any sort of a big moment. I mean, obviously, you know, when Donnie and I were serious, you know, we talked about, you know, family and, um, you know, you want to make sure that you both want the same things. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yes, we, we always just knew that we wanted to have a family we were certainly a little later starting a family, uh, just both because of the skating career and then, you know, medical school. I had to get far enough along in that before we could, um, you know, start having kids. So, oh, a little later, but uh, so so proud and happy to have the two boys. Yeah, and now two granddaughters too. Oh, nice. I was going to say,
2: what's it like being a grandparent? Because I know for my mom, my mom, by the way, is in the background. If you see her walking I around, I I see her. happy Mother's Day, Mom. Um, <laughs> I'm, we're at my gym, so she helps me out on Sundays. We clean, that's, that's our what activity do on Sundays. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, um, grandparents, because I know, you know, her being a grandmother has just been, you know, heads and shoulders above anything else.
1: Well, it's it's fabulous. Um, it's been kind of fun for us too because we had the two boys and then we have two granddaughters. Um, um, and we try to see them as much as we can. Uh, they live in Kentucky, but we are in a motor home. So when we travel, you know, first stop is, you know, if we can see Matt and Sammy, then see Jesse, Susie and the two girls. Their names are Ruby and Penelope. They're now 10 and five. And uh, last summer we were able to um, help out with some babysitting, so we were there for quite a while, which was great. And um, it's it's easier because you know you're less overall responsible for all those day to day things, and so you're you're able to sit back more and I guess relax, and you, you get to do all just the fun parts mostly. So yeah. yeah.
0: So what was it like being the mother of a, a fearless child? And I, and I don't know what Jesse was like. was he at least calming in, in, in <laughs> no, in comfort? no, they were both, they were both crazy. Okay.
1: Well, it's interesting when we look back because we had nicknamed Jesse Tigger when he was younger, just this cheerful little bounce, 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 bounce. But you know, he was just all over the place. and, um, Matthew, compared to him, uh, Matthew's three years younger, um, Matthew was very active, but also very quiet, which was interesting, and part of that might've been that he was hard of hearing, um, which, which he is. Um, so, uh, But that started right in childhood. Um, but, but as far as them being fearless, I think in some ways, some of our neighbors worried more than we did because they would see the things they were doing. We had grown up with them and we knew that they kind of knew where they were, like, you know, that they wouldn't do something that they couldn't handle. Um, But they both, we had all the kids in sports, really young and everything. Um, Matthew was on water skis at 18 months old um, in a diaper. So he was 18 months old. So both boys, uh, water skied, downhill skied, um, you know, gymnastics, soccer, all that kind of stuff. Um, um, the interesting thing, the difference between the two of them, because Jesse, I think is, um, uh, very physically capable, did all basically the same sports up until, um, Um, until Matt got really into competitive weightlifting and then the CrossFit. But the difference is in the personality. So Matthew is very driven, you know, like, and that's just can't teach that. That's just part of him. Yeah. And uh, Jesse is not competitive. So, when we used to ski together, and I, Donnie and I recognized our own tendency that if the boys were good at something, oh, maybe we should let them try out for the ski team, or you know what I mean? Just because that's, well, we were competitive. So, sure. um, and Jesse was comfortable to just say, I'd really rather just ski with you. I'm like, oh, great, fine. So we took him out of those competitive situations um, and, uh, and he's an artist, um, beautiful artist. Uh, he's actually a full-time tattoo artist and, uh, and now owns the business. So. Isn't you know, it so interesting
2: how kids can turn out so differently from, you know, the same two people make them, the genetics are the same, and yet they're beautifully I'm, different. It's cool.
1: Right. Right. and. Um, and you know, learning to let them be who they are, um, and follow follow their own direction. So
3: yeah. Yeah, it, it sounds like yeah, they just have these different temperament styles and that's something mm-hmm. you, that you're born with. That's, it also yeah. sounds like, you know, growing up in their childhood with with them talking Scott talking about them being fearless, it sounds more like they were just healthy risk takers and that you were comfortable with the risks that they were were assessing and taking probably too because you were you and Donnie were risk takers as far as being you know a competitive skater so it sounds like they just kind of fell naturally sort of into following that instinct
1: I think so um and and I think because we didn't generally you know we weren't overly protective so we didn't like hold them back from trying Mm -hmm. things um and as far as being comfortable with the risk taking um Yes, up to a point, point. Um, and I think the, there's one story in, in Matt's book, and that was the time that he entered an aerial ski competition um, here in Vermont, so he was a, what we call a twin tip skier, so, you know, front back of the ski looked the same, his brother Jesse transitioned over to snowboarding. But uh, we went to ski one weekend and the train park was closed. They always wanted to be in the train park, right? With jumps, get a little air, that kind of stuff. The train park was closed because they were hosting just a recreational competition. And you could enter it if you just had to pay $15 and enter the aerial competition. So Matthew asked if he could do that. And uh, we said, oh, sure, because that's where he would sort have of skied all weekend anyways. And so um, he heads off and, you know, we would go back and forth and then stop at the bottom of the hill and and watch. And so he went up, he did this absolutely beautiful laid out back somersault and landed. And we thought, well, that that was beautiful, you know? And, uh, but then somebody else came down and basically did the same trick. And then we could hear some of the skiers going back up the lift saying, you know, that kid is going to do a double. And I looked at Donnie. I said, "You know that they're talking about Matthew." <laughs> and he, I, but there was no way I couldn't get up to the top fast enough. I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" Like, like you would know enough, right? Not to <laughs> not to try a double because never done a double, you know. So we're sitting at the bottom, just panic-stricken. Um, and lo and behold, down he comes, you know, he does, I think he laid out for the first one, you know, does a somersault and then just tucked in tight, did a double, landed it and won the competition. I'm like <laughs> you know. but he skied over to us after, you know, and I literally looked down and I said, like, what were you thinking? <laughs> and his, you know what he said to me, his answer was, well, mom, somebody else did a single, and you know, there's no such thing as a one and a half. Oh. Like, oh, so that was one time when I was not okay with the rest. <laughs> no. yeah.
0: Wow, that is uh. a great story.
1: <laughs> it's okay to tell it because it came out alive and well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: How? Yeah. Um, I know you guys went to the twenty twenty one CrossFit Games. Yes. Um, and I had the pleasure of sitting behind you during the Snatch event when uh, um, Yi was, I think he had some either family or coaches. Really, next that's, to you guys.
1: Why, that's why you look familiar. Okay.
2: That's me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But how exciting was that? How nice was that to go? I know Matt's explained, you know, the pressure's off. He can just hang out with his friends and cheer them on. It must have been similar experience for you and Don to go and just
1: enjoy. Right. Yeah, it was, I I mean, I think that um, some people were a little surprised that we went, um, considering that, you know, Matt wasn't competing anymore. But, you know, with having had COVID, um, the last couple of competitions, you know, like, even when he had his fifth win, like, we weren't able to be there. Mm -hmm. And it just felt like, as parents, that we needed some closure to his competitive career, too. And, you know, we know the other parents um, and we hadn't seen any of them for a long time. So we thought, you know, let's go. Let's really just go take it all in, enjoy it from a different perspective, see all these parents, because I don't know that we'll go every year. Um, sure. If we can, you know, we we will. Um, so it was really, really nice um, to really be able to just soak it all in, um, talk with the other parents um, that we, you know, because you do get to know the other parents for the other athletes who are all up there working so hard and trying their best. And um, so that was it was wonderful, wonderful to go back.
2: Yeah, I know my uh, my son plays uh, baseball in college and his high school team is still local and I still go to the high school games. You know, my yeah. parents are are very surprised to see me there, but yeah. I don't get to see baseball anymore. <laughs> you know, my yeah. my son's away; it's he's not close. So that's sort of my yeah. uh, I get to
1: I get to enjoy it. And we we did the same with football after Matthew left because he had been on the high school football team. And you know, it's I loved those memories of going yeah. to all their activities and. And again, you you get to know the other athletes and the other parents. Um, but it, it's also a gradual letting go, I guess, of that stage of life when they were there and now they're on to something else. And, you know, I, I mean, it's – I have to say, as much as I was always really nervous watching the games and Matthew compete because you just want so much that – all their efforts that they put in are, are gonna come out the way they they hope. Um, oh, I I miss watching him compete too. I mean, mm-hmm. I just was so proud of the incredible athlete that he is, uh, you know. So again, another stage. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely meet feel meet that. For, uh, Sammy and Matt's uh, children, right? And then there you uh, go. they're watching them. <laughs>
3: Yeah, there's just that lull between your kids growing right. up and then waiting for the grandkids to start competing. Right. I can totally relate to that morning process yeah. of...
1: And, of and not even... Right, maybe not even necessarily competing, but, you know, if it's a music recital or if it's their their dance show or whatever. Yeah, right. just be with them. Yes.
0: Yeah. Was there any difference being being there when he finished second to when he finished first?
1: Not from our perspective. So um, his take on it was different, but uh, for us, I mean, like he hadn't been in CrossFit very long and you're second in the world. I mean, we were just overjoyed, proud of him. Uh, So we felt the same. Is there,
0: you, you mentioned him as you say you that he's very driven in that mm-hmm. 15 year. He talks about how miserable that second place was for him. Was there anything you could say to him to console him or was it just. No. Yeah. no.
1: Yeah. And, and that was, he had to handle that his way. Uh, He had to turn that into a silver lining. And that took some time for him to understand that it was probably the best thing that ever happened to him. I truthfully believe that if that hadn't happened, he would not be the athlete he became because it was a learning lesson. And, you know, truthfully, if he had just won um in that year i don't think he would have said okay i i have to do this. oh no
0: oh no
2: oh no amy amy kicked her off <laughs> i know you didn't <laughs> could you and hear he was me playing with her phone no we couldn't hear you okay good well, we hope
0: she
3: because she's
2: a delightful i'm at oh wait
1: we're live yep. <laughs> yeah we're live I forgot we're still alive. Okay. <laughs>
0: Sorry. Yeah, so See, she's back. Here she
1: comes. She's okay. back. I don't know. I might have bumped something. <laughs> it's all good.
0: <laughs> we blame Amy, back. so you're good.
2: <laughs> no worries. It's in, it's interesting, though. You probably don't have a – well, and maybe you do. You can tell us. Do you have a lot of practice with getting him out of disappointment because he's been so successful, right? It's sort of – it's almost like you're used to the congratulations and the, and the attaboys and maybe not so used to, at least in in recent times of trying to, you know, shift his mind frame or, or, or helping him out.
1: I think we probably had times with his um, weightlifting, you know, when he was Mm -hmm. younger, sort of um, walking through, you know, well, what could have been better, what maybe would have changed that also his weightlifting coach would have, you know, guided him through that, Um, you know, and he's had, uh, so aside from us as, you know, parenting him, he's certainly had some very, very good uh, coaches as life mentors as well. Um, And I would say, you know, one of them was his football coach in high school. He, um, not only was he coaching all these young men, but he was helping them grow up and be good, good young men. Um, And, uh, you know, and then he had a very strong coach in um, uh, Chris Polakowski, who was the weightlifting coach in the beginning. So, you know they they need they need those other role models outside of their own parents too so the olympic
0: training facility when he decided he was going to move there mm-hmm. did, did you have similar background with figure skating that you could lend to that or in canada it's different
1: no yeah it was it was different we never had a a big sort of one leg- training camp situation. We were never um, for long stretches away from home to have to be on our own. And yeah, so I didn't really have anything to, to go on there. They, the one thing that I think we misunderstood when he went to the Olympic Training Center was just not quite understanding the, um, the medical care system that was in place uh, when he first went versus what was in place after he had his um, spinal fractures. So that was unfortunate. (sighs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, That was going to be my next question. Um, as, as someone who practiced medicine and Mm -hmm. your son has a fractured back, what were those days like when he realized what it was and how it was going to impact the future of his lifting career?
1: It was awful. Uh, it was awful for him. It was awful for us. I remember, um, you know, I was in Vermont. Um, he came back from um, Junior Worlds in Romania. As soon as Don and I saw the lifts that he was putting up in Romania, we we looked at each other and we said, something's wrong. I mean, something's just dreadfully wrong. And when he came home, he sort of filled us in. Um, and, I, you know, of course, I phoned out to try to talk to the um, MD in charge. And that's when I realized that actually, up to that point, there wasn't an MD in charge. And so this um, gentleman, physician, was just coming on board um, and was just starting to recognize that Matt was recurrently in at the PT people. And they were also if I understand correctly, rotating out every two weeks. So they were sort of um, physical therapists in training, um, and they were on rotation. So it was sort of a lack of continuity of care. And um, so, you know, my first question to the MD was, um, do you know what sport he's in, and that his lower back is hurting? Uh, You know, like here you have a 180 pound young man, he's got well over 300 pounds over his head His low back hurts and has anybody x-rayed him and they had not mm. so that was sort of the first eye opener and and so then of course they x-ray him and they call me and tell me he has you know two fractures in his lumbar spine and his whole lower back is unstable so and and I could tell that from how apprehensive they were to fill me in on all this at that point, that I'm sure they thought that the next step was probably, you know, litigation or something. I said, I'll just throw this out here right now. I have no interest in that. This is not the situation. I said, my child is out there and we want you to take care of him. And. So we worked very hard. I honestly, I think I phoned every colleague that, and you know, surgeon, and trying to figure out what we could do because they could uh, give him a spinal fusion. That that was sort of easy approach. But he's 19, and it would stabilize his back, but he would go back to weightlifting. I knew that, and then you would start to put sheer force on the first vertebrae up above the fusion. So I didn't think for the longevity of his back that was very good and I just was hoping there was some other choice. And around that time, Dr. Bray from California was flying out to the Olympic Training Center to offer his services as a neurosurgeon. So my husband flew out, met with him. He met with Matt. He said he thought he could um, surgically repair his back without fusing it if we could fly Matt to California over Christmas. And, you know, anyways, we just, we got on with it. Um, and, uh, and, and it repaired, um, you know, they basically rebuilt that, that L5 vertebrae for him. And he was just young enough. He said, if Matt was a year older, he it wouldn't have worked, it wouldn't take him. So
2: wow. How with you running a busy practice too, how heartbreaking mm-hmm. was it for you not to just drop everything and and fly out there? Like and have Don be the one to do it? Like that would kill me.
1: Well, at that point, so he went out just to be with Matt while while all the conversations were going on. Um, I was the one that left everything and went with him for the surgery. Um, I was the one that took some weeks off and stayed with him and flew him back home and you know, that kind of stuff. So we juggle it as a team. That's how we do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you have that kind of low and then Matt finds CrossFit Mm -hmm. and you know, he tells the story that at first he didn't take it very seriously, but he was good at it enough Mm -hmm. to make a little bit of spending money. Yeah. And, but all of a sudden he finds something that he can kind of dive into. Did you see a difference in him? Like finding something like that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Matt has always, always been somebody that needs to burn energy. Um, Like a lot of it. (laughs) So um, when he was home recovering and just going to school and not having a very physical outlet, just wasn't a very happy person. Um, so emotionally he needs physical exercise. Um, and I get that I am, I think probably somewhat similar. Um, I, I, I need to work out. I, that's what I do for me. Um, so we were thrilled. When he, you know, started to go to Champlain Valley CrossFit and start doing, uh, start doing some CrossFit and really finding himself again, you know, he's an athlete I, and he needs to move. So he needs and at the what, endorphins. Oh. We need the endorphins. <laughs> yeah.
0: And at what point was he living in your basement, snatching in your basement, practicing in your basement? <laughs>
1: So we have sold the house, you know, and I always thought, oh my gosh, I hope the foundation of that house is okay. <laughs> I could be in the driveway, I could hear the country music glaring and the weights dropping. And I'm like, I loved it, mind you, loved it. Um, but, uh, but I don't know how, how good the house was. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he, um, he lived there a good three years. Um, but before him, you know, we had, uh, had an apartment in the basement and, uh, we had offered that too to Jesse, his young wife. And, um, before they had their first child and, you know, they try to give both kids the opportunity to get a start without, you know, too much financial burden or anything. So, uh, free years in the basement.
0: <laughs> and then what was your level of concern when he was going to retire and not have this outlet now? Or did you know that he was just going to dive into something else?
1: I actually didn't know how prepared that he was. Um, and I'm thrilled at how smoothly that worked. But, you know, um, you know, he's got Sammy. They've got a relationship. They're solid together. Um, so, you know... At that stage, you, you really step back as parents, right? I mean, um, I, I think we have less. Well, there's less need for us to guide anymore, right? You just enjoy watching them um, as they unfold and you know find their their way in adulthood. It's pretty impressive. So, but I I think I was amazed at how. Um, how really prepared they must have gotten in the background, without us realizing that they were, um, you know, that ready for retirement or the next step. I guess because my gosh, he's working hard now. Um, but what was I going to say with that? Um, I, you know, I I think it's remarkable, but it's 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 not easy um, changing from a professional athlete to sort of next steps in life. I I mean we see it in a lot of um a lot of other professional skaters um and we feel like they maybe haven't or didn't move on very smoothly um so i'm I'm very happy for Matt. I I think he had more years of competing in him if he had wanted to. We, you know no doubt. I mean and and like I said I'm that's selfish. I miss watching him, you know, in competition. Um, but I'm also very happy to see that he could make a decision that um, for both of them, you know, because Sammy's life was uh, every waking hour was basically around, you know, the games. So I'm happy for both of them that they could say, okay. Um, we did five. Let's let's move on. Yeah. And
2: now you have a you have a small stable of athletes that you can still sort of get behind and be invested in, the ones that are
1: training. Yeah. I'm hoping actually this afternoon. I think we're going, well, let's just go watch them for a while. I That's should awesome. be probably getting a workout in myself, but you know, no. What is today.
2: what is your go to workout, Candy? What do you what do you like to do in the gym?
1: Um, hard work pays off 60 minutes. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So I follow Matt's uh, programming. Um, even on the road, um, I try to find CrossFit near me and uh, join a gym if we're there long enough. And um, I was getting up last month or so, uh, four 30 or five in the morning. And um, cause I have to have time to roll out the old body to get moving. And then, uh, I would go and do a HWPO 60 and then, Come home and uh, um, you know, and then it wouldn't cut into the rest of the day for whatever Donny and I were doing, which was usually a few hours of uh, pickleball and then go kayaking or you know, that kind of stuff.
2: So I have the flagship program, the HWPO flagship. Yep. Do, does the sixty have some of those imams in them?
1: Yes. Yes, like my a favorite minute imam. Um, I'm not at a 40 minute emom yet. I don't know if okay. they there, but like <laughs> twenty-eight was plenty. But yeah. no, it's um you know, it has the warm-up and a strength piece and an emom and accessories, but That's it's awesome. kind of time to to keep you moving along. Um mm-hmm. I take a senior prerogative uh and you know as you say, should. Well, so do I. I take a little longer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We uh, at, my, at my gym here we do Imam Mondays, and I can't say that um, the flagship programming hasn't influenced some of those workouts from time to yeah. time. So,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> well, my last question for you, Candy, is: okay. You have had an amazing career. You're, your son has had an amazing career. Are you recognized more today as a figure skater, a doctor, or Matt's mom?
1: <laughs> well, I guess um, depending on what circles, but uh, probably truthfully, more is Matt's mom. Yeah. So Soon and to, and to be with Penelope's that. grandmother, maybe. Yeah. Right? That's other people. I mean, in terms of my identity, I feel like out of all of those things, would be being the boy's mom. Yeah. And maybe that's, that's cool. what's most important to me. Yeah.
2: I have a I have a fun CrossFit question for you. So, minus the athletes that Matt's working with, do yes. you Have do you have a favorite male and a favorite female that you'll be watching this year?
3: No.
1: No.
2: <laughs> Nobody. I wanted to say like. No, I'm just. You
1: know, I'm, oh, I'm just going to be. You're not going to tell us your favorites. No. Mm, okay. <laughs> Too many
2: too many to name or not. Yeah. Just Matt's athletes. Right.
1: No, I, I, you know, because a number of the athletes, you know, we've known for a number of years. Yeah. I mean, right. I, I, I hope that they all do their best. They really do. You don't want to see somebody, you know, you feel for the athletes like you've worked so hard and then what you get COVID. I mean, or, you know, some other fluky thing happens and it's just like, Oh my gosh. Cause you know, they're all trying so hard. So you'd love to see them, you know, especially some of the ones who are maybe near nearing the end of their maybe CrossFit career. Um, you just want to see them like finish this, you know, as close to the top as you can, like have a really good go. So. Spoken like a great mom. <laughs>
0: And I can, and I'm not even a mom, you know, I'm a dad, um, mm-hmm. but none of the athletes are my kids. And just doing this show has changed mm-hmm. my perspective on that. I don't yeah. root for one athlete anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I root for a lot of them in situations. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, I, 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 I totally Relationship,
3: get that. relationship based, right? When you have yep. relationships with these people, it's, it's a little yeah. bit more emotion behind it besides just being a, a fan of yeah. an
2: athlete. Yeah.
0: Well, we want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. And thank Thank you so much for taking an hour out of
1: your Mother's Day. Thank you so much for having me. I think that was very sweet. I'm very honored. (laughs) I think it was great. I'm so happy you decided to join us. This is super cool. Thank you. Yeah, And enjoy your travels. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good weekend. Bye. Bye. Bye.